So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that drinks tea Earl Grey hot out of Sir Patrick Stewart's shoe. Ricciardo, are you listening to this? Fucking stop this shoe nonsense. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that finally scored some points at the cost of 400 squillion dollars. Good on your stroll. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that according to Channel 4 is most likely hosted by three Tory voters. Well, that's because statistically, if you like Formula One, you vote Tory. I feel uncomfortable, comrades. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the replica helmet of Formula One podcasts. Even though they said it wasn't. Liars. It was a replica, but that's for insurance reasons. I mean, I understand (laughs) the for insurance reasons bit, but then you don't lie. Yep. They lied. It's not what it is, it's what it represents. Yeah, a dead man's head. I'm Chica Rez, and today from a safe house in northwest London, we're going to talk about the 2017 Canadian Grand Prix. So we're going to talk about Hamilton's win, Stroll's glory and Terry's story competition. That is all to come. Joining me is a man who didn't get drunk at a prestigious industry event last week. It's Phil Tromans. Hello. Yes, I had one pint. And alongside him is a man who might have done. It's Terry Saunders. Hello. I also had one pint and (laughs) ten champagnes and another pint. And then I may have had a gin. And Chica, you were also there. (laughs) I was just trying to keep Terry company. So, you know. So last week we went out of our the pubs that we feel comfortable in and we were let loose in a uh, prestigious motorsport event. It was the Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame held at the Royal Automobile Club. Correct. Did we fit in? Well, you know. I mean, we fitted through the door. We fit in as much as if we were catering. I think we could have got away with it. <laughs> I don't know. There were some classy waiters there. There were, actually, to be fair. Mm. I'm so, not quite sure how all this came about. Well... Someone got an invite, someone passed that invite on, someone else passed it on, and then by the time it got to us, it was just shabby and dirty. We were just like, yeah, we'd have it. Press. Yeah, we were there as press. Um, we got there. Obviously, Terry and I were ridiculously early. Well, hang on. Let, let, I mean, we don't want to spend too long on this, I'm sure, because Matt's already looking at me funny, but <laughs> we and Chica got there so early, we decided to walk there from Epsom <laughs> Station. So we walked, we had a nice, pleasant half-hour stroll. Mm-hmm. And then just turned up at these grand gates where all these Jaguars and Porsches were driving like in. Like really grand gates. Yeah. And no no pavement on the drive. Mm-hmm. We had to either walk in the path of the cars or the grass. Then I, I insisted on changing my trainers. <laughs> it, it, it is a rather swanker. Just to set the scene. I mean, this is not just, your, you know, your, your RAC booth at the side of the road where you get your punctures mended this is this is the royal automobile club where you pay thousands of pounds to be a member yeah. and it was hosting motorsport magazines which i think is the best motorsport magazine annual soiree of inducting worthy people into the sort of the abstract hall of fame it wasn't a literal hall of fame and who were the famous people we saw there oh so many nigel mansell we did see nigel mansell murray walker Paul Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the all the stars. Of those famous people, <laughs> and of the ones that are of interest to us, and the ones that we have some right to talk to, which one, Chica, did we talk to? Paul Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Who then got sick and went home after you had a selfie with him. Well, I didn't touch him. <laughs> I was very clear. If you look at the picture we've shared, I'm definitely not touching him. Basically, we, we were sort of dispatched there by producer Matt. With a, with a very specific brief of... Cause carnage. So Matt said to us, remember, nobody wants you there and you're not meant to be there. 
So just keep that in mind. Like every birthday. Mm. So Nigel Mansell, there's a moment happened where a natural opportunity to meet him hadn't really occurred. I think we'd all agree. He was kind of squirreled away with his entourage. He was always surrounded by people. Because he's yeah. Nigel Mansell, 1992 winning Formula One, the world champion, Nigel Mansell. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're a bit of a fan. Slightly, you know, if, you've, if, you've, if you're not an old-time listener, I adore the very ground he works on. Works on. <laughs> Jersey. Works on, walks on, wanks on, any any ground he's Ew. been near. So at a lull, we went into the main bar to have an ale, because I frankly had enough champagne. Another ale. No, that was the first ale. Oh, okay. Because mm. I've been drinking champagne all night, so fuck you. And then you what did took, you do with that ale, Terry? All right, okay, I may have spilled some of the ale <laughs> over your suit, Phil. Do you, did that clean up, by, by the way? Not yet. Okay. I will pay. <laughs> and Phil said, Terry, Nigel Mansell just walked behind you. So I turned around and worked out the only place he could have walked was the toilet. So I decided to follow Nigel Mansell <laughs> into the toilet. Now, let me just get this straight. As I stepped into the gents, I didn't have a plan. My, my plan was as much as get to the gents. And, <laughs> and I walked in there and there was a really thin guy who... Just by sheer coincidence, looks a bit like Damon Hill at the Urinal. And I was like, oh, what a cornucopia of 90s British champions. Uh, it wasn't him, though. And I looked around, and Nigel Mansell wasn't there. So I let Damon Hill, like, finish weeing. And then I looked around, and there was one cubicle locked. So I thought, my hero must be in that cubicle. So I put my ear to the door. <laughs> I don't know why. And all I can say is he's a very quiet... <coughs> about his business and then I realised he's probably quite he probably uses cubicles and he's very quiet about his business because I'm sure I'm not the first 30 something to follow him in also when you're in a cubicle you can see people's shoes <laughs> <laughs> and you had some particularly I had yeah. quite distinctive grey and yellow <laughs> shoes on so actually yeah he's probably there going some pervert some pervert <laughs> with grey and yellow shoes <laughs> rose money where's he from exactly I don't fucking care <laughs> I think it's suffice to say we possibly didn't come back with the incredible groundbreaking motorsport expose that producer Matt was hoping we would. We interviewed Jenny Gower's makeup lady. <laughs> we loved Jenny Gower's makeup. And Jenny Gower as well, and who Jenny was also Gow. lovely. But more importantly, her makeup lady was an excellent She was very woman. nice. So we've got about six or seven hours of raw audio. And going through it, I think there's about three, maybe four minutes of, of stuff no, that's worth o- listening let's to. Let's open source it. Let's put the whole thing up, <laughs> Edward Snowden style, dump the whole WikiLeaks... <laughs> Dump everything online. In fact, let's upload it to WikiLeaks. I don't know. That'll be the one thing that crashes the website. Well, if we can salvage anything, we'll put it on Facebook. But my favourite bit, apart from all the times I go, I'm going to go and find a drink, is (laughs) a bit where Chica took it upon herself to find out what they were eating at the dinner. And there's a wonderful interview that I hope we put up where Chica just walked out the window. What are we? What are you? What are they eating? But no, I think you phrased it as though you were eating. So you were just checking because you had an allergy or something. <laughs> we, of course, weren't eating because oh. we, we just got stuck in a, in a cupboard with some crisps and sandwiches. Okay, all right. So we will put all of that on some sort of social media platform. But let's move on. Now it's time for Listener's Corner. And let's start off with two official sightings of the FF1S merchandise. Phil. Yes, thank you very much to Matthew Restaino, who sent in a picture to our Facebook page uh, showing him wearing the super sexy yellow, which I hadn't seen before, FF1S t-shirt at the Berlin E-Prix, the Formula E race. That was a replica of Ayrton Senna's t-shirt that he wore in 1984. (laughs) And there was somebody else who, for some reason I can't find on the comments, but thank you. It was a picture of you wearing your t-shirt watching the race. Much appreciated. But does not fall into the rules of the competition that we invented a year ago and had forgotten about totally forgotten about until now which is you get a prize if you appear on the coverage of said race does it have to be formula one i mean if somebody gets on the formula e coverage well no one's watching that so no, that's count, does it so what's the prize the prize wasn't it you were going to make up a song about them or something i can't remember what it was now i'm sure it was, was something it? like that that doesn't sound like me <laughs> we might have been drinking Okay, a song then. (laughs) Next up, an email from Philip Morby referring to Sky's F1 theme song that we discussed last episode. Just drive. Alistair Griffin is not some and it's not an awful, awful song. Yes, I'm properly triggered. It's a clever marketing move from Sky, having nicked it when BBC used it as their end of season song back in 2010 and tarted it up. I really like it. But what song would you pick? I don't know this Alistair Griffin personally, but he is a 
because <laughs> that song is terrible. Sorry, we're not supposed to say that word. Um, Philip likes that song. Who are you to say it's terrible? I am someone with exquisite music taste. And Just Drive is a terrible, terrible, awful, awful song. And just because the BBC used it first doesn't mean... That's fine. You know, the BBC employed Jimmy Savile for many years. So let's move to our always busy Facebook page. Mike Green has been back in touch. (laughs) He says, great race. They should replace Monaco with another race at Montreal. They've even got room for twats on boats. I mean, there's an element to say, Formula One travels around the world to all these different tracks. And in a way, that seems slightly wasteful. What if they just had one complex where they could like... You know, with levers and stuff, adjust the hills and like the, scale the corner. Yeah, basically, like well, a big Paul scale Ricard's a bit like that. Where they're going to next year, there's like yeah, yeah. fifty different configurations because they do a load of testing. So there. they do that. They bust in a bunch of Canadians one week, a bunch of tax exiles the next week. You know, and for all <laughs> we're just you know, sort of dressed up like a theme bar. We're all watching <laughs> it at home in the future with our virtual reality goggles on. Mm. You know, we don't care. We're just dead to the world by then. Scott Somerville says, considering how decent the first 20 laps were, perhaps rather than water sprinklers to make it more exciting, it's actually huge fans needed to make it windy. I mean, North America, there's a lot of huge fans. Uh... Obesity. I think the problem here is commentators. I think we should probably maybe get rid of commentators. Because what what happens is at the start of the race, they say all the things that could happen. And you're like, oh yeah, if it got really windy and those those shark fins on the cars, they could really, woo, cars could be spinning all over the place. And then inevitably that stuff just doesn't really happen. Do you think then there's maybe a case for like a sort of red button alternative of like really pessimistic commentators? Because you've yeah. got to have somebody to say what's going on. Jonathan Palmer could be back. Oh God. Oh <laughs> God, no. Ben Turnbull says, McLaren should save their entry money and just buy Alonso a season grandstand pass. To be honest, I was surprised he had any clothes left on by the time he escaped the souvenir hunters. <laughs> It would have been quite funny if that sort of move of I'm here, my people backfired spectacularly and they just ripped all his clothes off him. I don't think he'd mind. <laughs> just, just his helmet would be left. <laughs> no, just a replica. <laughs> <laughs> Alonso's clearly just given up of like, fuck it, I'm going to go into the car, I'm going to crowd surf. Exactly. I enjoyed it. Alonso's best stuff this year has been out of the car when he's just been doing random In the shit. last few years, Alonso has, turns out, he's a good comedian. <laughs> Never wasn't necessary in a Ferrari, but now... Him and the CEO of Honda are an excellent double act. Plaque Morris on Twitter says, are McLaren still capable of attracting a top quality driver? No. All right. Who do you think will be in that car next season if not Alonso? No one. No one at all? They will just be there. Ron Dennis. Pilling around going, anyone? Oh, who's that Senna's cousin or Prost kid or something? One of those. Bruno Senna? Yeah. Nico Prost? One of those. Just one of those kind of names that sounds impressive, but actually everyone goes, oh... And in other news, has McLaren finally had enough of Honda's bullshit? It does look like it's getting that way. This is basically Zach Brown, the boss of McLaren, who up until now has been relatively diplomatic, considering all the nonsense that Honda have been going through. But uh, this race at Canada, Honda was supposed to bring an upgrade. It was supposed to bring more power and just something better than they got before. And they, they didn't. It wasn't ready. They didn't bring it. And Zach Brown had a pretty unveiled go at them, saying that they were lost. And at the same time, Alonso said that he'll stay at McLaren if they win by September. See? Comedian. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which everybody immediately said, well, that's not going to happen, is it? So it does seem like they're sort of laying the groundwork for just like, it, you know, it keeping it relatively civil, but just sort of saying... A bit shit, so we're not surprised when they ditch them towards the end of the season, which I'm increasingly thinking they will. Is it true they're trying to go to Renault? That I hadn't heard. I, no, I think Alonso's trying to go to Renault. I, I suspect Mercedes. I heard that they were trying to get parts from Renault. Oh, God. Well, like, any old parts. Any parts, legs, legs, arms, whatever. I hadn't heard that. I'd be less surprised if they went to Mercedes, because obviously Mercedes have... There's, there's, there's a limit on how many different teams the teams the, the manufacturers can supply. And of course, since Manor's not there anymore, Mercedes have got sort of a spare set of engines kicking around. So I'd be quite surprised if they do change engines if it's not Mercedes. As far as I can tell from reading everything, this upgrade for Canada, I think they still thought they were getting it until the last minute. It does seem like everyone at McLaren was pissed off because it just didn't show up. They just didn't tell them they weren't going to bring it. Oh no, we decided next week. (laughs) And at the Canadian Grand Prix, they brought back the old-fashioned raft race of the mechanics making rafts for a race. 
it, just in case that wasn't obvious from the initial statement. And McLaren won. McLaren, hands down, had the best chassis in the raft race. <laughs> as I said all best year. Best slashed together. And I just hope there's this moment where, like Alonso says, right, if we don't win by September, I'm leaving. And then Zach Brown goes, do rafts count? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a new F1 spat between Alonso and Ralph Schumacher. Yeah, who saw this one coming? So this is all about karting. So Alonso owns a karting facility in Spain, and it's been used for some big kart meets, world championships or something like a serious, a serious international karting event. And Ralph Schumacher owns a karting team, runs a karting team, and he basically had a massive go at the facility, saying that it wasn't fit for purpose and it was damaging all his carts and all this kind of stuff. And somebody put this to Alonso, in the paddock at Canada, and Alonso basically went, "Well, you know, it's Ralph. He's not. He's not doing much these days. He's not been in. Uh, he's not been in the news. He's just saying stuff to get his face on TV again." Uh, and also, he owns a kart track in Germany uh, where the World Championships aren't. And uh, Alonso basically just said, "No, it's just being salty." But what I would say is, this is a tremendous story. But it's a much better story if you're me and you read it wrong. And I read the whole thing as. There's a karting meet with 12-year-olds and Ralph Schumacher was one of the <laughs> people driving. So he's just there going, I'm still good. Yeah, look, I can beat a 12-year-old. <laughs> oh, my God. Which is not unbelievable um, for Ralph Schumacher. I'm not even sure Ralph Schumacher could beat Mick Schumacher, uh, Michael's son, who is apparently... I'm not entirely sure he could beat Michael Schumacher <laughs> for another day. Um, so could we see the return of Bobby Kubica? Who's that, Phil? You remember Robert Kubica. He was, a, he was, he was Poland's big hope. And scored a race win and had a massive accident. Oh, and then, I know. And then the had another massive accident in rallying before the start of the, so, the season and almost lost his arm. Receding air, had an arm off. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. Easy to spot. Uh, arm hanging by a thread, losing his hair a bit. He obviously has not competed in Formula One since he had his arm off, but he's been sort of crashing rally cars left, right and centre. And it's been scintillatingly fast and it was a bit of a tragedy that we that we didn't get to see him race properly in a, in a big team because he was looking super good when he was racing for sort of BMW Williams and and he and signed Renault for Ferrari did you know that that's been confirmed this week I he, did not know he'd that he signed for Ferrari the following year well even more so than yeah. a shame that we uh, that we didn't see him but last week he was back in an F1 car in in Kimi's 2012 Lotus did more than 100 laps around the Ricardo Tormo circuit in uh, Valencia and apparently was faster than Renault's test driver, Sergei Sorotkin. And he's saying he'd really like to come back to F1. So I'm kind of torn on this, because on the one hand, I feel like he's got unfinished business, but on the other hand, oh, on the other hand, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, he's 32. I mean, however handy he is behind the wheel, do we want to see him come back? Yes! Yes, yes, and thrice, yes. The this trouble is, is a if- movie. This is an amazing story. He is better than bloody Lance Stroll with one arm behind his butt. Sorry, I can't say that. <laughs> he is, you know, this guy was an amazing driver. And if he's got the mobility to drive again and do a hundred and something laps, he can bloody do it quickly. I mean, the, the the worry is that he doesn't have the mobility to get around the tightest corners. For example, the the hairpin at Monaco. So that's maybe something they'll have to uh, to iron out. But the uh, the other downside is if he does come back, and he seems to have a very good relationship with Renault, it, it, I mean, whose place is he going to take? Do we really want to lose Jolien Palmer just so we can have Robert Kubica back? I would be so happy to say to Jolien Palmer, you've just been replaced by someone with one fucking arm. I mean, for the record, he has got two arms. I mean, they managed to stitch it back on, so it's not quite... But for the joke... <laughs> Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're For F1's Sake or you can email us at wrong at ff1s.com. Before we move on to the Canadian Grand Prix, which was excellent, we're going to drag this already quite long episode out for just a bit longer with Terry's story time. Thanks, Chica. And yes, it's story time or rather the story competition that we set a few weeks ago where... If you had written a story, you could win a chance to spend the Grand Prix of Britain, otherwise known as the British Grand Prix, <laughs> with myself and Phil in a pub in London. Phil, what could be finer? Have you kept that date free? Yes. Oh, pretty sure I have. <laughs> <laughs> this was um, aping the Williams Stroke Airbnb competition, 
where you could get to spend a night with Felipe Massa and... And also a night in the garage. I and believe. also a night in the garage with a happy finish. By the way, with Felipe Massa, a happy finish is not Brazil 2008. <laughs> hey! Good job. Well, it lasts about the same amount of time. Ooh. So, we asked for you to write a story of 100 words or less of why you think you should be watching the Grand Prix with me and Phil. So the people that entered will be listening, nervously waiting to see if their story has been picked. And we have had seven entries in. So We've had eight. Of- We've had eight, but Matt excluded one. <laughs> why would why was one excluded? Filth. Are you going to bring us the first story? I've got it down to three. Like your Blue Peter days of old, this has taken a lot of work. We've got we've got these competitions down from seven to three. <laughs> as soon as one of the entries was just the word complex repeated fifty times, this has been oh, why did I not get to see that? Well, you did all the editing. I had, uh, sorry, I have promoted sorry. that one. Okay, so here are the stories. The first one. Now, what I want to do mm-hmm. is once I've read these three stories, then we're going to judge them. And pick a winner. Okay. We should I say that I uh, certainly I haven't heard these before. Have you, Chica? No. And I've only skim read them. I've not really <laughs> paid any attention. It was a cold winter's day in the Mosley district of Transylvania. Candlelight filled the grey castle walls as Lord Eccleston tried to gather heat into his naturally cold lizard blood. <laughs> a letter arrived at his door during a crack of thunder. Lord Eccleston mustered the energy to transform his lizard claws into dexterous human hands. (laughs) The letter read, Behold, sire, a conglomerate from beyond the ocean has decided to purchase Formula One, your beloved Squire Todd. (laughs) Aside there, I'm surprised it wasn't a bit about road safety, but don't worry about it. Uh, Lord Eccleston did not know how to react to his views, so he vanished into thin air, only to be seen again at the lap of Vladimir Vutin, (laughs) an international oligarch and all-round bad man. The end. Oh, I mean, it ends quite abruptly. Mm. I, I like where it's going. There was good colour. You could really um, envisage it, but you? it kind of, it kind of, sort of, it it raises you up and then kind of leaves you hanging. Next story. Richard couldn't wait. Yes, he was tired. It had been a long day dealing with Southerners. What? <laughs> Immediately alienating all of us. But now he was wrapped in his 1989 Minardi t-shirt, moving amongst the biggest display of scum and villainy since Obi-Wan visited Mos Eisley Spaceport. Phil had offered him a suck of something unspeakable. (laughs) Brackets, a lukewarm half of Foster's. But Richard refused and quietly slipped the Rehypnon into Phil and Terry's hipster craft beers. After all, his only reason for being there was to find Terry's all gold. (laughs) (laughs) I like the payoff at the end. I'm less keen on... uh... Um, frankly, some of the insinuations, but that was that was a good punchline. Okay, and now our winning one. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, prejudice the jury, but just going to say, final story. Be gentle with me," said Pascal. His voice quivering as a bead of sweat fell from his pert nipple. Don't worry," replied Terry. "It'll be as smooth as a Williams pit stop, but hopefully not as quick." I thought you said there'd be three of us, Pascal asked. Phil couldn't make it. His mum wrote a note, excusing him. Pascal looked disappointed. But don't worry, said Terry. I have a solution. The sound of tentative knocking broke the tension. I waited anxiously. Muffled footsteps approaching the door. The Grand Prix could wait. The night of my life was about to begin. Wow. I know. Was that from P. Verline? We're just going to have to have a little break here while I have a cold shower. I mean, all very strong entries. I think it's got to be the last one, isn't it? I mean, I should say... Despite um, despite the imagery, which will scar me forever. Disclaimer, Luke, who wrote the first one of the Transylvania one, has done a PS saying, I'm currently working in China and have no intention to accept the prize. I just wanted to join in. <laughs> so, disqualified. Why you him then? Because it was a good story. Yeah, that's fair enough. You should have read the other show. <laughs> um, uh, so, it looks like the winner of this uh, this competition is... The Pascal's Nipple Story, which I'm pretty sure is the title. Terry, can you reveal who wrote this? It's Creepy Tristan Clayton. <laughs> Creepy Tristan Clayton, thank you so much for entering. You have won uh, all expenses paid. Some expenses. No expenses paid. Peanuts. Pe- okay. And one, one pint and a bag of peanuts. He has to buy us the drinks. A trip to the pub. He has to pay to get to the pub. I mean, we'll let him in the pub. You can sit at our t- near our table. Okay, he's going to the pub with you two. Yeah. 
to watch the British Grand Prix. Definitely a pub in the same postcode. <laughs> but can I break all protocol? I think we should invite all the entries to win. What about uh, cornflakes? Not cornflakes. <laughs> I think we should invite everyone who entered to win, apart from cornflakes in China. Oh, fuck it. Cornflakes too. I don't care. <laughs> but there'll be emails coming your way soon, lads and ladies. All men, depressingly. Oh, yeah. that's bad. Mm. Okay, so now it's time to finally get us to the title of this podcast, the Canadian Grand Prix, in case you'd forgotten. Oh, yeah. So let's start with the teams. And we will, of course, begin with Mercedes. Now, Hamilton was excellent all weekend. He was in front for all of the race, finished 20 seconds ahead of Bottas, who came home in second. And he was generally just a delight in interviews. He was, wasn't he? He was what adorable. A lovely guy today. Yeah. Now, Mercedes are back in the lead in the Constructors' Champs. How pleased will Toto be with his boys now? Well, obviously, Hamilton did well. Do we need to talk about that? Probably not. He was great. He was perfectly brilliant, Hamilton. But in a race with no problems, Bottas finished some 15 seconds behind Hamilton. Mm. Yep. Which I think means they should award him a replica of <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> I've done it again. Stop saying his I name. I say his name. We'll beep it out. You say his name more since we banned it than you did when he was racing. Just a good joke, Phil. Can't resist it. <laughs> Hamilton was superb. I mean, he was really good in the race, but that qualifying lap. So good. Bloody hell. He suddenly whipped out half a second out of nowhere. Flawless. Uh, yeah, really good. If he carries on like that, he's going to win the world championship. As Wolf said, Hamilton is worth every cent. And there's a lot of sense on that, man. There's a lot of sense. But uh, yeah, he won in Canada for the first time. Did, did you see... Bottas at all during the race oh no. did you see him on the podium though no he looked like he really knew he'd come home 15 seconds behind yeah. well I think we all knew that was going to happen every, it's, every now and again he's going to get a stroke of luck and Hamilton will have an off weekend and Bottas is good enough to still win mm. can we talk I know we've, this is a long podcast so this is not going to deviate too much but you know when Bottas won Russia and everyone was just like, almost damning with fame. I think no one realised the contradiction at the time. But everyone was saying, but Russia's a circuit he's always done really well at. And he always had good results in Williams. You know, it's like, yeah, that's his one flute circuit. He is not that good. He just happens to be good at Russia. And every other track, shite. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna put something out there. I think Jocelyn Palmer could get a podium in a, in a Mercedes. Oh, God, no. I can't believe I said Come that. On. No, no. Stupid. Enough of that. Cut that out. Ferrari. Now, the race didn't start well for Vettel, who got wing damage from Verstappen's aggressive overtake. However, after doing a two-stop strategy, he did a ballsy drive at the end, overtaking both his teammates' dodgy brakes and a Force India Civil War to come home in fourth. Do you reckon he will be pleased with himself? I think he should be pleased with himself. Possibly less pleased with Ferrari as a whole, who seemed back to their old, not particularly organised tricks again. Also, what happened to Raikkonen? Well, Raikkonen seemed to have this, let's reprogram a 1980s video player in the <laughs> car. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's BCD4F. Yeah, he's trying to get a that video cheat plus code number? from Street Fighter or whatever it was. <laughs> but um, um, I don't know. It, actually, it does seem like Mercedes went back to last year's just easily winning 1-2. And Ferrari went back to last year's cocking everything up <laughs> and finishing 4th and 7th. I mean, Vettel... I mean, really, apart from maybe slightly Verstappen, who took his front wing off, has only himself to blame for not having a brilliant start, which sort of was the start of all his problems. But then, yeah, he did drive really well to come back through the field. And he took advantage of Force India's arsing about and best radio. I mean, Ferrari were only second to Alonso in radio messages. So you had... You had <laughs> well, there was Kvyat, which we'll talk oh, about, we, I'm sure. Of course. Wait for that. But Ferrari, you know, you had the whole t- to Kimi just... It's this gibberish of like, no, you should be on setting 14. Hang on, did you say 40? <laughs> no, 14. It's just like, what the fuck is going it's on? It's like trying to talk it's my... 200 miles an hour. And he's going, ah, oh, 14. But it's I like trying to pers- talk your parents through fixing the computer or something. I love the person that decided which vi- radio messages were broadcast this race because it was stuff like that, that as a viewer, you've got no bloody idea what they're talking about. But or it was filthy swear words. Because we always hear that thing. And I've... I once went to a, like a Formula One factory and they show you the steering wheel and they're like, it's really complicated. And actually, I think what's very easy to do is to go, no, it isn't. And just going to go, yeah, it's easier, some dials and switches. But that was one of the few times when you go, someone's giving him codes that he's getting wrong 
at 200 miles an hour and he's <laughs> flicking and they've got massive gloves on so you know they've got these silly little dials is it on sky i think they were saying there's something like 40 different controls on the steering wheel these days and and loads of them have little sub menus you have to click through to find out where you get yeah. on the screen so to ridiculous. do that while driving around the track at high speeds and uh, as we discovered a couple of weeks ago and you can see on our facebook page driving around tracks is is more difficult than it looks whoa is it not, terry <laughs> what are you saying i mean i got to seventh I think you got to 12. Fuck you. Right, we haven't got time for this. Let's talk about Red Bull. Now, Verstappen yes, did... Yes, let's talk about Red Bull <laughs> and your favourite Max Verstappen. Carry he on. He drove superbly. He did one of the most impressive starts of this year and he had some sort of hydraulics and electronics maybe battery shut down, which meant it was nothing to do with his driving. No, I thought he was brilliant. And uh, it was twice that his car let go of him that weekend. And it wasn't his it, fault. He was a bit pissed off and I think he's got every right to be. As you would be. He broke Vettel's wing with his fantastic move. Yep. He drove right over Vettel. I mean, you're saying that like it's a bad thing. It was a bad thing. That ruined the race. That should have been Vettel right up there, not having 300 pit stops. Verstappen ruined that race. Nah. Look, will you just stop it, okay? Every time that boy has a good race, you just ruin it. That wasn't a good race. It was a great race. he, he, He... Clipped someone, nearly gave him a puncture. <laughs> and then broke down. And then broke down. <laughs> whoopie dee doo Okay, That's well, all like your driving lessons, isn't it? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Below the belt. Yeah. Let's talk about Ricardo. So it was the third time in a row you've seen that Aussie drinking out of his shoes on a podium, which, believe it or not, hasn't caught on. I mean, one, yeah, the shoe thing, stop that. Two, <laughs> three, three in a row, really? It's just, hmm? I mean, that is staggering when you think that the Ferraris and the Mercedes are super close this year. You don't know who's going to win the race. So by all accounts, it should be those four should be the top four, and then the Red Bull are way behind them. So the fact that he's got three podiums isn't—it's not necessarily good on him. I mean, he's just been there picking up the pieces, but it just shows how Ferrari and Mercedes have screwed up. There's that, but also, although their car's not as good, I'm going to postulate that Red Bull have the best driver lineup. Oh, because mm. I don't think Raikkonen and Bottas are that good. I mean, they're good, don't get me wrong, but I think okay. both Ricardo and Verstappen are really good. Mm. Maybe not. Maybe neither of them is quite as good as Vettel or quite as good as Hamilton, but overall as a team, I think they've got the strongest lineup, and they've just seemed to have been maximising their crappy car as much as they can. I think uh, Ricardo's pissed someone off, though, because have you noticed, you don't really see him on coverage. Have True. you noticed that? He does seem to have his own little boring race with nothing happening. He seems to be too far away from the Ferraris and Red Bulls, uh, Ferraris mm. and Mercedes, but far enough ahead of the other cars that he's just on his own. Maybe else is, uh, maybe everyone boring. else is fed up with the shoey as well, and they're just hoping to oh, stop it. God, it's just apart from Patrick Stewart. Mm, he should Patrick Stewart. <laughs> right, Williams. Now this was a really bad race for Massa and a really good one for Stroll, which is not we're not used to the sound of that, are we? Uh, the Canadian got his first points in Formula One. Stroll got a thumbs up from Hamilton, well, which was because he let him overtake and not because he was pleased with him. How was Stroll up to his game? Home field advantage, maybe. Sort of. Did that really on make a difference? It, was it? He was saying it was. The, he's the first Canadian not called Villeneuve to score points at that track. At that track. Oh yeah. Okay. Suddenly it becomes less. Yeah. Impressive. It's one of those torture stats where you're, you're the first person on a Wednesday. <laughs> you're the most beautiful girl in the room. To quote like the Concord. I mean, I don't think was he ninth. I don't think ninth is going to blow the world away. But uh, he got points at last, and it was his home race. Good for him. A lot of people crashed out. To be fair. Yep. He's still F1's second youngest point scorer ever, though. Is he? Oh, that's and a good the fact. most richest. Um, Massa. <sighs> Well, really. he didn't, nothing happened. It nothing was to do with him, really, no. Sainz came in and just thwacked him out of the way. Yep. Let's talk about Sauber. So after qualifying, expectations were low for the Saubers. On the plus side, though, they finished, which I think is more than anyone on the team expected. Why were they even worse than usual? Quick circuit, slow car. I think this is where they're just going to go back. We've already talked in previous episodes about their old Ferrari engines, which they're not going to develop. They're not going to get any quicker. They're just going to okay. go backwards as everybody else gets more speed. But next year, they'll have even slower engines, so that's fine. Next year, they won't move at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Force India then. Ooh, well. Who were actually pretty amazing with their new upgraded Mercedes power unit that meant they were able to get into the top five for a lot of the race. However, Perez is going to be in a lot of trouble. 
Despite the fact his tyres were ancient, he wouldn't let Ocon through to try and overtake Ricardo, which meant then that Vettel could catch up and overtake them both. Now, first, could Ocon have actually overtaken Ricardo? I don't think... Could Ocon have overtaken Ricardo? Yeah. If, he, if Perez had let him through? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's likely, but I think he could have definitely harried him more than Perez did and given it a good attempt at making Ricardo making a mistake. But as you just said, he's a very good driver. He probably wouldn't have made a mistake. But there was nothing to lose for forcing India, forcing, forcing <laughs> that move to happen. And to get Ocon in front to try and make it happen. Because Perez definitely wasn't going to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ocon was all over the back of Perez. Clearly faster than him, at least for the first the first sort of stint of that little battle when he had much fresher tyres. And I, I was really surprised that they didn't order Perez to get out of the way. Because, I mean, Perez could stick to, you know, was, was sticking within a, a second of Ricardo. If Ocon's faster, he surely could have gone up next to him. And surely... Uh, I said he was with DRS versus a Renault engine on that long back straight. Surely would have got past him. I think it was a bit of an own goal by Force India by not insisting. What I can gather is that they have no contractual shenanigans in Force India about team orders, and Perez brings a lot of money to the team, which is why the radio um. the radio transmissions were very much along the lines of what we're proposing. <laughs> <laughs> Just I mean, blue sky thinking. <laughs> How would you feel? About giving out your place, <laughs> but but you know we will, as a team, sing you a little song at the end, <laughs> <coughs> and you can give back the place. You know he Ocon will give back the place if he doesn't get us past, and then Prez is then Prez is just and again like Raikkonen, he's just like he's doing a business deal on the bloody <laughs> on the, in the car. He's running it past his lawyer. That's what yeah, it took so um, long. Yeah, I've I've discussed you. I, I posit your rumor, and I come back with this. Um, I won't let him through. <laughs> And you won't make me. <laughs> okay, well, what about what about Sergio? If pretty please, uh, no. It was a bit kind of like uh, I'm just I'm I'm gonna pass him any minute, any minute now. I'm gonna pass him, and then he just sat behind him for 25 laps, yeah. not getting anywhere near him. It was yeah, it was a shame. Well, then there's that weird thing. So Vettel got put by. Ocon totally lost out, nearly crashed. Good move by Vettel though. Did well. Lovely, lovely guy. Lovely yeah. guy. Yeah. But at the same time, he was in Manor last year. Half of last year. For a bit of last year. And did all right, but, you know, what can you do in a Manor? This year, he's been in Force India. He's been getting good results, but nothing spectacular. This is the race that put him on the map. And what Perez has done is highlight that Ocon is better than him. Could be. I did hear people uh, of influence, on the on, on, at least on Sky's reporting, mentioning him with a possible future Mercedes seat. He's a Mercedes driver. Yeah. Bottas is going to be shoved back to Williams next year. <coughs> Ocon all the way. Straight swap. Straight swap, maybe. Hey, yes. Hey. Not a great weekend for them. Oh. Grosjean had to have new front wings after Sainz lost it on the first lap, which dropped him into last. Magnussen forgot one of the key rules of F1 and overtook under the safety car. On the plus side, though, Magnussen was at one point in eighth and Grosjean made his tyres last a really long time. Do you remember a time when hairs were good? Australia last year. That was promising, <laughs> wasn't it? Oh, yeah. dear. Now they're just kind of... They're still doing quite well. They're better than Sauber and McLaren. The best bit was Magnussen going, there's a Ferrari cap on under the... That rim. was so good. Good eyes. How good is that? Not just a cap, a Ferrari cap. It's yeah. a snapback. Possibly a large size. Still got the sticker on the. Point. I believe it belongs to the child in the fourth row of the grandstand who is currently hatless. <laughs> yes, and crying because Kimmy's not winning. Okay, Renault. Other than nearly smacking into Vettel, Hulkenberg had not a bad race, coming home with points. Palmer came eleventh, which isn't terrible, but the only people behind him were a time penalty, a shit car, a shit engine, and a shit car, and that's not great. Despite the fact Palmer has had our unwavering support, there is speculation that Renault could chuck him soon. What do you think the chances are of this actually happening? Very likely. He was like <laughs> a second or something slower than Hulkenberg in qualifying. Rubbish in the race. Awful all the way. Shit. Can't even make it funny anymore. He's just embarrassing. But, I mean, who are they going to bring in? They've got Sorokin as a reserve driver. They've Kubica. possibly got Kubica. Let's have him coming in. Uh, end of the season. Give him a couple of races. We've already got... You said he can't do the chicane at Monaco. He can't do the hairpin at Monaco. We've had Monaco. I wonder if in this in the in this new Liberty era they could be a bit more relaxed with sort of dropping drivers in and out. And he could yeah, if there's a race there he thinks, Oh, I can't do this one, get get Sorokin in. Yeah. 
all get palmering for a laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Toro Rosso. Now, this was a horrendous weekend for Toro Rosso. Sainz didn't make it around the first lap. He was hit from behind by Grosjean, but it wasn't Grosjean's fault. Actually, it was the fact that he was swerving all over the shop. Then he hit Massa. Kvyat's language was frankly unacceptable, but I did like the fact they broadcast it. In his defence, though, he had a drive-through penalty. Then the stewards decided that they should have given him a time penalty, so they did. And then he had a wheel net issue. And then to save the track from an angry Russian, they retired him. Are stewards allowed to change penalties like that after they've done them? It does seem a bit daft that if you get a penalty wrong, they can just go, Daniel, sorry, we got that penalty wrong. Could you just come in again for five seconds just to make up for it? Sorry, my, my fuck up, my fuck up, don't worry about it. Basically, the whole science thing was, if you watch the Sky coverage, they had this whole like 10-minute interview with him about how great he is. And then Martin Brundle and Johnny Herbert and Damon Hill going, he's really a top-notch potential world champion. He's really good with the media. We all love him. He's He should have a better seat next year. Toro Rosso is ruining him. He should be in a better place. And then lap one of the race, <laughs> smashes it into everyone. <laughs> it was it was Saundersian in the way that he sort of piled into everybody uh, oh, on the first oh, lap. Oh, did he, get, did he get up to 12th? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think he did. Well, I mean, he sort of did in that he didn't break for that corner and overtook about 15 people. Before that is what I do, yes. Yeah, I mean, I I heard that he tried to blame Grosjean for it, which mm. seems insane because you look at it overall. It's just he literally went, he almost forced Grosjean into the wall. And then when Grosjean came back again, he tried to do it again, hit him and just slid sideways. I'm quite surprised he didn't take out about six other people. No, was, it just a, was it just a bad day? Because he's not usually like that, is he? I think he just didn't realise that Grosjean was there and then it just had mm. spectacular ramifications. But let's talk about the FF1S driver of the year last year living up to his name by dropping the best word on the coverage that I wholeheartedly endorse <laughs> for a second in this race Ocon became my favourite driver Kavia <laughs> got it back he used Terry's favourite word he said but the thing is if somebody goes through that and decides which radio bits would be the best bit to put on the broadcast and yeah. someone chose that <laughs> I like that even like, I presumably they, when he said it and when they were having the he was having a conversation with the engineer they didn't know that was going to go out but he, even his engineer said yeah, what's not, your language it's not, li- it's not live no no it's not it's delayed so somebody's picked that and been like we'll, we'll put that because they but, would put every fa- radio message but the up. fact that, that, that his engineer you know, not even worrying about it going out was just like don't, don't use language like that <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that's Liberty Media in the radio booth going play that and they're like no we can't play that play it <laughs> <laughs> Terry will love it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Science, uh, we should add, has a three-place penalty for Baku after that smash. I think he deserves more, frankly, but... I thought you loved Science. I do, but he must learn from his mistakes. Okay, McLaren. Oh, Oh my God. I mean, I haven't really got much to say about this. The Honda engine reliably failed on the (laughs) penultimate lap. But Alonso made his ego feel better by, as we said, jumping into the crowd of adoring fans. Still no points for McLaren, though. Did you watch Free Practice 1? No. no. So Alonso came back from Indy, having had all his dreams shattered by yet another Honda fail, Honda failure, and just, you know his car letting him down. And he went out in free practice one. And guess what happened? His car immediately broke down, <laughs> and he sort of literally threw the stuff out of the car, jumped out, and again started waving to the fans, got involved, sat around smiling, and I think he said to one of the reporters, "Yeah, I'm kind of used to it now." <laughs> Can I say something um, that you might not expect? I don't think Stoffel's very good. I'm sorry, what? I mean, I know that t-shirt sales we've got are plummeting. The, we've got, we've <laughs> got 45,000 t-shirts in a warehouse in North London. What are we supposed to do? Sorry, I have a solution for that. We'll, we'll come to that later. Obviously, the McLaren's rubbish, but Alonso is really making him look shit in qualifying and in the race. He's always way ahead of Stoffel Roffel. I just think Stoffel Roffel's overrated. I mean, we need to be careful about maybe calling stuff too early. Yeah. Is he, is he on a contract for next year? I don't know. Because if we hadn't sold those t-shirts. All of which leads us to the standings with Terry Saunders. So the driver standings are in first place is, guys, I broke it. It was 141 points. Uh, Second place, gunning for all the helmets is 129. (laughs) And third place, all right, I'm shit with 93 (laughs) points. Fourth place, managed to build a bookcase during the race, 73 (laughs) points. And fifth place, hey, everyone thinks my shoe thing is really funny. Oh. And sixth place, now I know what being a Ford One driver is like. Disappointing, your darling Max Verstappen. <laughs> seventh place, call me Bandito, it's Sergio Perez. <laughs> I mean, what? Bandito, because he's Mexican. 
and the ban and now he's the bad guy. Okay. Not just the it's not just casual xenophobia or racism. <laughs> There's that. also context. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In eighth place, let underdog. See now you've made it really racist. <laughs> so I've just gone for simple country wide slurs. And ninth, saying what you like, I'm coming in. <laughs> and tenth, I am a passenger. It was Massa in that race. Eleventh, Holgerberg. I'm not even trying and I'm still thrashing Palmer. Eighteen points. Twelfth, I should be the Hulk because I'm always angry. Thirteenth, uh, there's a hat. Fourteenth. Fourteenth. Fifteenth, was I even there? I can't remember who that was. And sixteenth, our t-shirt ending sales pitch crisis. Stroll ruffle. Oh shit. Stroll ruffle. Has it come to this? Stroll ruffle. You want to you want to sell a stroll ruffle t-shirt? I'm just thinking that there's one guy and his dad that might really want all those t-shirts and they've got a lot of money. <laughs> okay, the constructors championship. We got a 1 2. Is it 2016? And in second place, we got a 4 7. Is it anything from like 2010 to last year and most of the 80s? Third place. When he gets a podium, he makes us all drink out of his shoe. <laughs> Fourth place, we were a non-story, now we're at war. <laughs> In fifth place, um, this week is brought to you by Crashy and <laughs> There's a lot of bleeps in this episode, I, I'm aware. Sixth place, everyone pretended to like Stroll and his dad after that race. I just imagine that, you know, they're quite used to ignoring Stroll after the race and going, oh, they're there. And now he scored points, everyone's going, oh, you're amazing. And his dad's like, oh, my son's amazing. Seventh place, we've taken to pretending Palmer isn't even there. Eighth place, brakes and accelerators and everything in between seems to be wrong with our car. And ninth place, we, we've got four points. This is the high tide because next year we're the works Honda team. <laughs> now it is time for the 2017 FF1S Grand Prix Fantasy League powered by Grid Rival. Yes, Chica, that's right. We are now seven races into the 2017 FF1S Grand Prix Fantasy League powered by Grid Rival. And the top five looks like this. In fifth place, I'll be honest, it's, it's pretty much the same top five as last time, just in a slightly different order. Fifth place, Norfolk and Chance. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fourth place, Just Drive Racing. Mm. Just Drive. Yeah. You're a big fan. Yeah. In third place, Testing, Testing, one, two, three. Mm. Number two, Platypus. Yeah. And number one is still the official Mercedes-Benz AMG team. How are we doing, Phil? Well, Terry, glad you asked. 42nd place. Out of how many? Uh, 278. Well, that's pretty good. I'm in the top 43. <laughs> yep, that's right. Uh, is Terry Saunders, let's get funky. In second place, in uh, 17th overall, is uh, Chica's nice house team. And in 11th place overall uh, is my team, uh, Tinduck Racing. Now, Chica, I've got a question. Mm-hmm. I had a look at the league when I was looking at this, and in in seventeenth is not is not nice horse. What's going on? Oh, who's it's drink, a fair dr- cop, gov. Who's drink driving with Jolian? Oh God. Okay, so <laughs> right when we started doing um, the twenty seventeen FF1S Grand Prix Fantasy League powered by Grid Rival, I forgot to sign up for the first race. But they're sponsoring us, Chica. How could you forget? Because I'm a useless human being. <laughs> and um, my boyfriend, who last year was drink driving with Maldonado, whereas uh, this year... The Stallion. The Stallion, yeah, yeah. So I was like, can I just nick yours? <laughs> so, uh, I've been so to Phil, the last seven races, I've been doing the listings on the document, and I always saw them. Hang on, you've been in on this? <laughs> yeah, it was my idea. Thanks, Unbelievable. Mate. Much yeah. appreciated. High five. I'm, I'm somewhere pr- probably even lower than lower than Terry. Fuck I mean, you. Whoa, 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 whoa. I feel much less bad now for crushing you both into the dirt. This is actually a good segue to remind you that if, like Chica, you have not joined the league yet, it's not too late. You can still join now and possibly win. Although, frankly, Chica, if you win this after this deception, I will be furious. Well, you good. can do so by going through our website, which is Terry. Terry.com. I think we've just advertised somebody else's website. I'm going to go to Terry.com now while you, while you read out the actual. <sighs> FF1S.com forward slash grid rival forward slash Chica Cheetah. <laughs> and now, the state of F1 with Terry Saunders. Honda. 
Yes, I know, we dealt with this a few months ago. Everyone got together and agreed there was a way of fixing this embarrassing and humiliating problem, and that was for Honda to accept some kind of external help and get the engine on the way to okay and then somehow not be last. Everyone was on board, except, it seems, for Honda. <laughs> the expected upgrade that was due at the Canadian Grand Prix didn't arrive, and by the sounds of it, they didn't even tell McLaren. Eric Boudier had to stay in between the vague hours of 9 and 5, but the delivery didn't come, and when he <laughs> rang Honda, they said they did, but there was no one in, you know the drill. But, unlike Yodel, Honda didn't even fucking try. They decided that it's actually more important to solve this problem on their own. Like, this isn't a multi-million pound Formula 1 programme, but me and my kitchen lights. Now, <laughs> I'll admit that after a bit of YouTubing and a terrifying moment where the wires in my ceiling were not the same colours I was expecting, I did manage to get the lights working. But to exactly quote Mario Ilian, it's a little more fucking complicated than that. <laughs> So now everyone's crying. Alonso says he's going to quit and go to Indy. McLaren can't win by September. Stoffer Ruffles not doing great. And frankly, my beloved team is fucked. Thank you, Honda. Do I have a solution? No. Well, yes, it's pull your finger out. But really, what's the point? All I have is a plea. This is a plea to Formula One. Guys, you can't allow Alonso to go to Indy full time. There's only one thing to do. At the last GP before September and his deadline, which is Belgium by my reckoning... All the other cars have to stop so Fernando wins. <laughs> that way he'll stay at McLaren and stay in Formula 1. Come on, you've done it before. At Indianapolis, ironically, when all the cars peeled off <laughs> so someone else could win. I'd say be dramatic, leave to the last lap, but there's a pretty scant evidence that Honda can make it that far. But that's the only way to keep Alonso in Formula 1. Honda, get your fucking act together, you shower of shit. So that is it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We've not had time to talk much uh, about the whole Senna helmet shenanigan. Uh, in which uh, Hamilton absolutely got Senna's real helmet that actually wasn't. But he will, but he hasn't yet. He did hold it aloft like a severed head, though. Yes. That was a weird bit. It was a little uh, little Game of Thrones. And to Terry Saunders. We also haven't talked about the lovely Tony Brooks, who, when shown a picture of Sterling Moss that was painted for the Motorsport Hall of Fame, said to the artist in front of people, I can see what you were trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely moment. Lovely guy. <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks' time to discuss the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. In the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for F1's sake. And follow us on Twitter at for F1's sake. And we will put all of our usable audio from the Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame. Which was actually a fucking marquee. Let's just get that straight. <laughs> You'll hear more if you go to our Facebook page when we put it up there. And please, please, please review us on iTunes. We've got lots of five-star reviews, but to be honest, we'd like more. Yeah, we are very, very greedy. But thanks for listening. We will see you in a fortnight. I've been Chikaraz. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.